G'day party people, this is your one and only source into the shenanigans of a couple of Sheilas. I'm your host, Emma Henrahan, and along with my trailblazing guests, we'll be sharing all of our juicy stories, our biggest secrets, the what not to do's, the lessons we've learnt, or the mistakes, and too many times we've been baked. Stay tuned, you're listening to Sheilas and Shenanigans. Well, well, well. We are here for the final episode of season two of Sheila's and Shenanigans. And today I have with me someone who I'm very close to and I'm extremely nervous. I feel like those that you're closest to, you become most nervous about because, you know, they're on such a deep level. It's kind of bringing you back surface level, but also going deep with you all again. So today and throughout this whole season, I've had people on that I have been inspired by and learnt from and wanted something that they have and been able to, I guess, learn how to embody those parts of them. And yeah, they've taken me through some sort of process. So with this episode, it is someone who has taught me a hell of a lot since the moment I first met him and I've fallen deeply in love with him and he is absolutely everything and represents everything that there is to do with health and wellness and being real about spirituality and combining that with the 3D world as well. So I'm so unbelievably excited to introduce to you today the man of my dreams, uh, the best breathwork facilitator there possibly is, and someone who's given me multiple awakenings since we first met, John T. James Coates Harrison. <laughs> How are you, darling? <laughs> A little bit nervous. <laughs> I'm I was so a nervous. little bit excited. <laughs> I, this excitement. I'm excited, but I'm extremely nervous. I was in a bit of a panic attack yesterday when I think we're both a bit drained to be able to do it. And so to be doing this here today with you, I'm very excited, but I'm also very jittery. How are you feeling? <laughs> I was going to say good, but... Good's not, not a feeling. feeling. Won't let you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't let you say that. <laughs> a little bit nervous. First time being on a podcast, although it was just a conversation. Uh, there's still little bits inside me that are like, okay, well, you know, what do I have to put on today? Or do I just be myself? Yeah. And, you know, it's just the game that we play in the world between trying to put a mask on and trying to embody ourselves. So I was just trying to drop into that today. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm sure you're going to be doing so many more podcasts in the future. So I'm glad to be able to pop your cherry. Mm, thank you. <laughs> with pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to, I didn't even know where to start with this whole podcast because there's so much to you that you've taught me. But I think that the main word that dropped in was trust. And I think I've been on a big radical journey of trust since the moment I first met you and I think that that comes with so many lessons and not blind trust like I think a lot of people in the spiritual world just trust blindly and don't do the work on themselves and when I met you I saw this full embodiment of like pure health and you were so aware of 
not only like how you speak, but every single thing you consume, especially food. And one of the first questions people always ask me, they're like, oh, Jonty's body, like, what does he do? <laughs> like, what does he do for work, like workouts and everything? And combined with you just absolutely loving like everything you do in regards to movement, do you really do embody the whole six packs are made in the kitchen but in your case it's an eight pack (laughs) so I think that (laughs) there's so much to you but I think that you like what you've really taught me is like complete embodiment like of how to gain longevity and to feel your best self and to be able to be your best self and then be able to in those moments where you are challenged I can actually learn to trust myself because I've done the work in all those areas so I wanted to start by bringing it back to when I first met you because I feel like it was from both of our ends told a very big tale of like who we are as people me very extreme going through radical changes in the moment but you having just gone on like a 20 kilometer walk and doing recovery and yeah, just everything you're all about. So I would love to hear your version of the story. <laughs> and I know, just know that like I did, when I thought of this moment, I was like, how am I going to start this? I was like, oh, it really was, I think the pinnacle of you diving deep into where you are now and you just quit work and you were going at it solo and you're giving it your best shot. And yeah, you're in like two days of just like being unemployed and being a solopreneur. So I just want to know your part of that story and also like how you got to that point. Well, thank you for sharing all the little bits and pieces about me <laughs> from your <laughs> angle. <laughs> I forgot you, Saras. <laughs> so that day... When was it? That was January the 12th, right? The 20th. And you're, <laughs> no. you're, you're, you're doing this to annoy me. <laughs> One thing you're really good at is being witty and knowing how to get under my skin. <laughs> the 20th, okay. Yeah. January the 20th. Um, that day I had been, it was raining. It was actually quite rainy. And I decided I wanted to go for a big long hike in the rain. And so I'd driven up to Binnaburra and did the ship students walk which is about 18 and a half or like between 18 and a half to 20 k's or something and it was absolutely pissing down the whole time I think I pulled about 30 slugs off my legs um not slugs leeches off my legs like just bleeding everywhere and decided to just run the last eight k's because I was over the rain so I actually just ran uphill the last final eight k's just to get it over and done with Made it back to the car, pulled off the final leech, which had grown to about half the size of my thumb uh, off that had gone into my shoe and decided that I was going to drive back and go and do some recovery at EMF. And that's where I met you. <laughs> and I sat down in the recovery room to put on the recovery pants, put a video on from one of my favorite YouTube channels after school. It's about what the... S-K-O-O-L and I can't remember exactly what video it was but it was about something philosophical something that I'm interested in and he does some incredible animations and yeah I guess that's how we became connected you we ended up talking about what the video was and you were sitting there on your laptop on the other couch and we ended up having a chat and yeah I guess things sort of progressed from there but in regards to where I just come from I had been on a journey of, you know, 
having a, my own business going and building that up and then kind of just going through a bit of a, a pit or a valley in life, kind of letting it all go, getting a job once again. I uh, got a job at Lululemon, which was just really good. It served me really well for that time. And yeah, two days before I met you, I'd just come off yeah, the final day of working for them after a nine-month stint. So yeah, there was that sense of freedom of like, yep, I've got this. I'm going back into working for myself. I I had some money come through through some other avenues, through some investments, which was cool. So I had that to use to invest in myself to spend this time and was just starting off building human and creating that with Alon. So yeah, that time was filled with a lot of change and yeah and we connected on that day and the rest is history I guess Mm, yeah it was a very chaotic time I feel like in the world as well and that was one thing like I was completely unfiltered and myself and just talking about my opinion on the vaccine at that time and how the world was going and for me in that moment I think it felt very doom and gloom like I'd just come off like I I think I'd had a massive like toxic masculinity rush that morning and really had hurt my hand in the process and ended up at EMF like my part of the story and I'll probably go into this another time but is very like you just came in at the exact right moment and I believe the universe was working in my favor and yeah like the main thing after all of meeting you and then the connection we had was like your name being jaunty and me having just gotten monty tattooed on me like i was like even more interested but i think that instantly as soon as i like i was in so much physical pain that day so much pain and the minute i met you i was little bonding over things that are like about the world that I also want to bond with somebody over like I want to have those same interests but also the same perspectives on what was going on in that time but you felt so safe like so unbelievably safe to the point where like I was in chronic pain and then the minute we started talking like I didn't feel that pain and I only noticed when I left and got in the car and I was screaming because my hand is like absolutely killing me and that was like the first thing I really knew about you was that you were safe and then the other things on top of that were just amazing in themselves like you're so intelligent and you have just a curiosity about the world and when you put on after school I was like yes what is this and started chewing your ear off and then to the point where you were like okay listen now <laughs> like turned it on so you, I could you could shut me out but yeah I just think that like I just started following you from that moment I first met you I started like following in the way you did things when it came to your health even like the recovery I was just like a little puppy dog following you around and you knew exactly what you were doing and why and I think that this is what I've always said to you I'm like that's such a your gift to the world like your gift to the world is like you intentionally do everything you consume something or you act in a certain way even the way that you talk like it's all very intentional and it's the gift you've been able to give me and you're very you hold me accountable which is another thing that I absolutely froth about you and like I take in the moment I'm a bit like 
shut up but then I'm like okay cool this is exactly what I need so I think that like just yeah the way you are is such a gift to and a compliment to the way you've been able to coach and I think that I've been one of your clients along this way like within our relationship and uh, yeah I just want to identify all of that but I also want to like sit here and understand like where that came from because since meeting you I've learned and overcome so many beautiful things that I believe are like just within the world of toxic masculinity and the control that we live in within society and I think that when you overcome those you can learn to trust you can step away and not be so conditioned and you can step out of that and have the freedom to not be controlled so whether it is like eating shitty food or for women wearing makeup like you've taught me just how to trust and I just wanted like hear more and deeper about that story of like where this came from like how you became you and you have such solid values so how did like that all come about how long have we got? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while of me learning this. <laughs> Let's go to <laughs> how do I guide this <laughs> with all the things I know. Let's go to how you, I believe that your story is you were, you went to uni for banking. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can drop into that. Yeah. And then. I mean, it all, it all started fairly early on. I, very fortunate to grow up in a household where food was valued as something that contributed to health. And although I was allowed Nutri-Grain from the age of about seven years old until I left high school, and that's loaded with sugar and wheat and all the other crap, although I was allowed that, you know. Great marketing. Yeah, yeah, Nutri-Grain, <laughs> become an Iron Man, you know, eat sugar, 40, pure uh, sugar. Yeah, a, a product that's 40% sugar and... <laughs> Highly refined, genetically modified wheat. Yeah, really good for young young males that want to become iron. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. Um, so, this is why I love him. Yeah. So bar bar all that stuff. You know, food was food was cherished at home. I was all very looked after in terms of the food that we had, and you know, my mother, bless her, is one of the best cooks I know. She is. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a few things to learn, Emma. <laughs> I, I'm, going, I'm going over to do some classes with her. <laughs> anyway, so high school food, yeah, food was something that was um, looked after in the household and something, yeah, that I learned to sort of honour in a way, although I still, you know, still ate McDonald's, I still drank cans of Coke, I still did all these bits and pieces. I didn't have the full understanding of why food was important. And when I got to uni... I wanted to, you know, work on my body and I wanted to get stronger. And, I mean, this probably tracks back to a book I was gifted when I was about 10, which was How to Build a Six-Pack. <laughs> Stop. <yeah. laughs> and you're like, actually, I'm going to build like, an eight-pack. Yeah, I was like, fuck yeah. Um, and there were, yeah, there were many nights where I'd do as many sit-ups as possible as I could and then as many push-ups as I could. Not all the time, but I went through phases of doing that at home before bed. Uh, but anyway, get to uni. I really wanted to, to, to work out more and to, you know, to get strong. So I just started self-educating. I think one of the main websites I was reading was bodybuilding.com back then, which is a website you can buy supplements. They have lots of articles. And I just frothed it. I was like... Not that I wanted a bodybuild per se, but I just, I loved the aspect of 
I was like, wow, you can like do this stuff for your body and you can take these supplements as well and like you can get really healthy and really strong. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do that. So started gymming really hard, started creating my own programs, you know, started, you know, I think I got to a point where I'd be taking about 15 different supplements every morning, like a handful. And I, you know, I was... I used to be stoked in myself because I could swallow 15 pills without water. <laughs> I could put them all in my mouth and just swirl them around in my saliva and, and swallow them back. I'd challenge myself to see how many like supplements, you know, and this was like fish oils, multivitamins, like green tea supplements, BCAA supplements, fuck, whatever else was in there, all sorts of shit. Um, and so that was, that was the start of that journey in terms of like, okay, cool, I can... The I things can swallow I, as many yeah, pills yeah, the as things, I Yeah, the things I eat and then the things I do to my body can help it grow. Mm. And so I went through a phase of going, okay, well, I want to get big now. So I started taking mass gainer shakes, which are like, you know, 1,000 calories at a time, if not more, if you add them with other stuff. So I'd have one in the morning when I woke up and then I'd have one after the gym, as well as eating three to four meals a day. And I was gymming, you know, five to six times a week pretty hard. No stretching, no cardio, nothing else, just pure like, gym junkie trying to get big. And I got to the goals that I wanted to get to. Like I think I got to 83 or between 83 and 85 kilos from being, you know, like a 70 kilo, pretty skinny kid coming out of high school. Packed on quite a bit. But then my sports all just turned to shit. My skiing, which I'd started from the age of two, went pretty downhill because I had no flexibility and mm. mobility. My surfing turned to shit. I couldn't, you know, I used to be able to do some pretty cool turns and some pretty cool stuff. And that just turned to shit. Along with, I started having a few injuries. <clears throat> and so I started questioning, well, like, what's the point of being big and like jacked if the things that I love doing, I can't do them as well as I used to do. So it kind of then turned into, okay, well, what's the next stage from this? And that was about functionality. So I started doing these, like, I guess, functional classes, like Les Mill pump classes and grit classes and these other classes where that was more functional movements, um, building up your cardio fitness. Uh, and then from that, I was like, well, I want to get flexible now because I started seeing all the surfers. I've followed surfing quite a bit, and they, a lot of them were doing yoga. So I was like, okay, I want to do some yoga. So I started doing yoga, added that into the mix and slowly, you know, I dropped weight, I dropped muscle mass, but I started becoming more functional and more fit and more flexible and, you know, funny thing happened, my, my skills got better, my skiing got better, my surfing got better. When I was doing lots of yoga, my mind was a lot clearer, everything was a lot better. And then on top of that, food, along with reading and learning more about you know the body and understanding these things food becoming food became an important asset to having a healthy life and really thriving still hadn't fully nailed it though but one part of the journey was when i finally made it into this banking job i had a food joint over the road called revive and fully vegetarian and at the start i was like you know, I remember a friend taking me to this place and I was like, it's a vegetarian food place? Like, what? Like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, and I went in there and I had a meal and I was like, fuck, this is delicious. Like, I love this. This is such a good food. And then I pretty much from then on out was religiously eating this food 
every lunchtime and until I finished banking that was kind of the transitionary phase to really started to eat really really clean and then to track a little bit further after that I once I finished banking I went and did a 10-day ayahuasca retreat in Brazil in 2017 and during that 10-day experience I really connected to this understanding of what's important for my body and I got shown these beautiful visions of you know how yoga opens and expands the body through being more flexible we have more energy flowing through our body we're just more coherent and how eating clean food and the vibration of eating clean food raises our vibration and one makes us feel more grounded and connected to earth when we're eating more plants and we're connected but also lightens our lightens our load and when we're preparing food in the right way and we're connecting with it intentionally it serves our body in so many ways and then from then it's just been experimenting learning reading reading books just slowly bit by bit remaining curious and yeah just keeping open to it having conversations with whoever was open to having conversations about food and health and really just refining the idea of what food and health means to me yeah Mm, amazing yeah I think that um that's one thing you just like you embody so much like you you just constantly are so aware of what you consume and you take those minutes to be like is this going to be good for me but you have the ability to also drop into your body and question that and that's something that we kind of go back and forward with because I'll just tend to copy what you're having because I trust in that you know best and then you ask me to drop into my body and it's like I've had it so many times my friends be like well you don't know your hunger cues and I don't then it made me realize I'm like I don't think many women know their hunger cues like we've been taught that if we feel skinny and we're like pretty much on the verge of like starving that like that's a good thing like it feels good like we feel good about ourselves and therefore then we like have this massive binge meal like it just overdo it because we get to the point where we're just so fucking hungry that we have to eat and that's something that like emotions override the control yeah and then it tastes so fucking good and you've deprived yourself all day so it's like oh my god i'm gonna have all of this like and, and it you creates just, the very thing that the opposite of the thing that you're trying to have trying to create <laughs> your body's like i need to digest this for the next eight hours cheers yeah, like because i've starved myself for so long i'm gonna store all this excess food as fat <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like and it's something that i've just realized and like and you know dropping into my body like I don't really know sometimes because I haven't had that awareness I've definitely learned a lot more in the past nine months since meeting you but prior to that like I was just like you know eat kind of what makes me feel like comfortable in regards to that and I thought I was healthy like when I met you I was like yeah I'm really healthy and I think I'm still on like the better scale of where society is and where a lot of people are but since meeting you like you've taught me that food can be so delicious and so healthy and that's with like the combination of things you like whip up together and like I never thought that that was even possible but now it's like yeah it is and you've you've done it's interesting to hear that you've just done so many experiments like whether it's with food or with your own body like you've actually experimented in being like really strong and going down that road that we see a lot of men go down which is like I guess it's just this that makes them feel strong like I think that since I've become stronger in the gym I feel stronger 
like I can protect myself. Yeah, so it mentally, must be like, yeah. yeah. Get physically stronger, yeah. feel mentally stronger. Yeah. And so I think that you definitely like, you have tried that path, but then you're like, it's not the whole, like, you know, you've got to incorporate those things, but it's not the whole story because then you lose that mobility and then you can't, you know, be as functional when it comes to the sports you've always thrived at. So yeah, I think that you've like done the experimenting and I always get upset to you and I'm like, why can't I like do A, B and C? And you're like, I've been working on this for 10 years. And like, that's such a long period of time. And that's obviously been one of your main focuses and like you said before you're like oh yeah I grew up like eating McDonald's and that and like one of the questions we had was like from Drew of course your old roommate what would it take for you to eat McDonald's now (laughs) and I want you to answer because I think it's something that's so important within the society we live in and I remember when we bonded I was like this I was losing my mind let's be honest I was like this is bullshit like the government thinks they're protecting us but they're offering a shit food and this thing and that like you know they let takeaway be available the whole time during COVID but we're not allowed to do A, B and C like I was going on a rant and so you would have been like yes I agree but yeah I just want to hear your thoughts on like how and I want you to share with people like your ways that you do like what you think about takeout food and how like why you wouldn't put it in your body because I find it so interesting and it's something that I've had to learn to understand Mm, that's a great question (laughs) (laughs) thank you Drew (laughs) (laughs) you knew that was coming (laughs) what would it take for me to eat McDonald's um inherently you know when you break down the parts of the food it's not that bad you know some buns if you've got a strong body you're gonna break the food down it's not gonna you know take a big toll on you if you have if you have it once you know like if i went and had mcdonald's today i'm not gonna die i'm not gonna cark it and and you know end up with some some gut illness or anything but in terms of the fast food industry i think it's more the energy and the vibration behind the food you know it's not it doesn't really align with the fundamentals of eating locally, sourcing locally, putting love into your food, really being connected to the food that you're eating. It's prepared mostly by, you know, teenagers or, you know, early adults who are just doing this generally probably as a secondary job. Uh, the food is mass produced and generally sourced at the cheapest price possible. So it can be sold at the cheapest price possible. And it is f- it's cooked very fast and generally designed to last a long time. You know, the buns, whatever the sauces, all the other stuff that they add to it. So overall, yeah, I think I think if you really are going to have it, like for as a one-off, it's not a bad thing. If you're starting to eat it once a day, once a week, maybe a couple times a week, you know, I think that's where you start running into a problem because one, it's really convenient. There's no doubt about the fact that fast food from these joints, McDonald's, KFC, Burger King, Hungry Jacks, whatever, you know, it's convenient. It's so fucking convenient to be able to just drive on by, go through a drive through You don't even have to get out of your car. You get your food, you get your, you know, your 700 calorie burger, some... <laughs> disgustingly fried chips that are designed to last probably 20 years in the freezer and then you drink a sugar laden coca-cola or whatever else you're drinking or you're getting the diet 
version, which is just loaded with aspartamine and other artificial sweeteners, it's convenient. But is convenience healthy? Generally not. Is it prepared with love? Is it prepared in a way that's going to really support your body? Most likely not. But hey, you know, if someone really wanted me to eat a McDonald's burger and they were like, you know, willing to pay me maybe a million dollars. <laughs> Is that the price you gave Drew? I would do it. <laughs> no, I think just to prove a point, just to prove a point, I would go down and do it. If someone was like, what, we can't do it, I will just go down and buy but a burger and eat it. That, that also goes against like your, a bit of your integrity as well to prove a point to eat it because I think that – you have such a big, like, when you look outwards and the bigger picture of it, like, it's, yeah, I just want to hear your opinion on, like, you don't judge people. It's not like a judgment, but there, and it's always felt like there's a bit of, like, conditional love around it if I were to be eating McDonald's multiple times a week, right? But it's I definitely think, conditional love. Yeah, it's <laughs> boom, back. <laughs> And there is, and it's like, that was something that was hard for me to stomach. Like Drew and I spoke about that, shout out to Drew. But it's like, that was when we were planning your birthday surprise and it was going to be um, a pub crawl, but instead of a pub crawl, it was going to be a takeaway crawl. So we're going to get a KFC, Hungry Jack's, McDonald's. It's going to be the best surprise of your life. Wow. <laughs> I would have been so surprised. So aligned for your 30th yeah. birthday. <laughs> but yeah, I think that it's like, I want to you explain more because I think you do have such, it comes from such logic, right? But mm. it's so shamed of, in a way, like your opinion of it is like shamed because it's almost like you're shaming people who would do that. But it comes from a genuine place. It's like really logical and it makes fucking sense because I think that one of your biggest things in life is longevity. How can I be a hundred years old and still skiing? And surfing. And surfing. Those, that's your goal. Yeah. And so it's like, you're going to do everything you can to honor your body, which is literally the only vessel we have, like our only vehicle to get you to that point. And like that eating McDonald's just isn't one of them. Like it's not a choice. Maybe it's a choice if like it's the only option you have or someone is paying you a million dollars, but like you wouldn't do it. And yet people do that every day without thinking, without consciously taking that in into account what they're actually consuming. So what are my thoughts on this on a deeper level? Yeah. Well, like, in terms of the conditional love component <laughs> about if you were to be eating McDonald's three to four or five times a week, it's not so much that it's conditional love. It's more the fact that it's a codependent trait. It would be me just observing you doing something that's inherently bad for you and not saying anything mm -hmm. and just agreeing with it and just being like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm, yeah, I'm okay with anything. Like, yeah, cool. But, like, in reality, if I was then doing that, I'm probably then doing something that I'm not honouring my body in and you're probably allowing me to do the same thing too. I think mm. that's, uh, you know, I think that can be considered a codependent trait within a relationship is allowing your partner or – yeah, allowing your partner to do something that's inherently not good for them over the long term. Yes, like, you know, like we had that conversation and I was like, you know, you should do it three times a year, you know. You should, you <laughs> should pick, you should, yeah, you should. No, you didn't you know, say one, should, you said I can. You, you, oh. <laughs> you said I can. <laughs> that was my allowance. <laughs> allowance. And then I said, I, can I swap for two KFCs instead of McDonald's? Yeah. 
Yeah, imagine. <laughs> Which Drew was a witness to that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you are free to do what you do. Do as you please, obviously. Mm. Um, but, yeah, just the support. Like when you're with someone and they're doing something that goes against your own personal values, it would be pretty hard to stand by and just observe and witness that and and to be completely okay with that. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I think on a, on a deeper level or on a societal level, like the fact that we just – not so much encourage, but just allow our friends and family and people in our community to basically abuse their bodies with mm. toxic and toxic food, highly processed food, and all the other shit that people put in their bodies. The fact that we allow that as a society, it just shows that you know we're we're not really that connected in terms of being connected to ourselves and being connected to a higher vision for humanity. Mm. Lots of people are, obviously, but, you know, I think overall there are many, many people that live below this line and, you know, this isn't to come off uh, come off from the angle of being privileged, like, oh, you know, above other people because they're eating shit food. The option's there for everyone to mm. eat healthy food and it doesn't have to cost the world. You can buy very cheap legumes and grains and other foods that you can prepare in really healthy ways that will nourish whole families for less than the cost of a meal from McDonald's mm. quite easily. And that just comes back to education. Mm. It comes back to government supporting the people through proper education around how to nourish themselves, how to really tend for themselves in terms of cooking and preparing food in a world where, you know, where convenience is rewarded and ease of eating fuel is rewarded, we need to track that back and support people to learn and connect with the food that they eat to support themselves. You know, especially when we look around us and we see many, many people overweight. We see many people unhealthy with all sorts of skin diseases, cardiovascular diseases, all sorts of other issues that are largely stemming from the food they eat. Mm. It's really only two things that people are going through that cause their illness, which is deficiency or toxicity. Not getting enough of the right vitamins, minerals and other nutrients that are available through eating healthy food or toxicity of eating or consuming too much food that is loaded with hyper-processed sugars, fats, trans fats, and all the other chemical preservatives that are added to foods. Mm. And alongside all the other shit that, you know, all the sprays, all the glyphosate, all that other stuff that ends up in the foods. It's those are the two things that are causing all the illness. But we're still just going down this track for a lot of people. So it, it comes back to education. It comes back to a mass overhaul of the system and, and how the system teaches people to eat. Because currently the system's profiting from people being sick. Yeah. I think, yeah, even at the start when you – it, it was obvious that, like, the way that you prioritise food and that being exactly what you said, like, it's it comes back to all health issues. Is like, come back to the first thing. What are you eating? 
literally the first question any doctor should be asking someone for what are you putting in your system Mm. what like yeah what is that what's your daily intake like are you aware of what you're doing and we're not doing that whatsoever as like a society but I think that yeah at the start I was like really triggered I was like oh this means it's like conditional love around what I eat and then I think just as I hold you accountable for certain things it's like you just it's just accountability and I realized it's just this form of values yeah and 100 and I think that like yeah, it took me a while to really understand that but like just as you said it becomes codependency and it's enabling like it's totally enabling to be able to watch someone become overweight and then continue to be that way we have some family friends that I just like I still thought about this this week and I was like I don't even know like are they aware of what's going on like and can I bring that up with them has like, anyone ever asked them or is it are we shamed in society for being the person to ask yeah for being the person to ask Fucking the person like we're, yeah you it's if you're the one like I feel like yeah you it's like counterproductive it's kind of like if you shame someone for being fat you're then shamed from society for doing it but it's not like we're shaming someone for being fat it's like I said about Georgie the other day Georgie was very big as a little kid like ridiculous but the she ate more than a grown man she ate like so much food that it was ridiculous and her brother used to literally call her fat all the time and I was joking around this is a joke warning but I was like to about Finley I was like I used to think you were such a little shit for calling her like fat the whole time but then now I'm kind of like maybe you did her a favor <laughs> and I say that because it comes down to her health and I love her as a person I wasn't like you're physically something I don't want to look at like I don't give a shit about that but it was like it was concerning when I saw her eat packets of sugar like just straight packets of sugar like that's concerning because it's obviously as a little girl it's not good for her body and I sent you something like yesterday or the day before and it's someone talking and they're talking about a little kid's lunch and it just had absolute shit in it (laughs) and he's like and this kid is going to grow up and they're most likely going to have acne they're going to have skin issues they're going to have all these issues with their health and then like where does that come from that comes from their parents putting all this shit into their lunchbox and it's going to be way more difficult for this kid to not have that and to come back for a healthier diet when that's how they've been conditioned to be like this is how we eat whereas I think it's true like it's very valid to point out that both you and I come from very privileged upbringings where our parents both valued health and wellness and that came into our lunch boxes so we'll be able to see at an early age what that looked like compared to like being taken to take out every weekend and or like every you know I've had to take out like once a week that and was like a treat and you got to savor it because it was like a one-off rather than being like oh it's convenient I'm just going to get it for the kids because I think that we live in a society where people say that they can't don't have enough money to eat healthy and adults are then drinking alcohol and then other people who are from like less families that are like less money I suppose they basically are just taking their kids to take out which if you look at it it's like yeah convenience wise you might be saving a bit of time but it's absolute bullshit that you think that that's like better for you in regards to money because you can go and get lots of vegetables and cook them up but yeah I think that the other thing that I like I'm so intrigued about that's happening in the world at the moment is like and it's happened over the past few years is our addiction to basically debt hole you know putting like making sure that we have no germs and the amount of people that are now going to have issues I see with even just like at the gym the other day this lady like went and we're doing reformer and after it she sprayed so much of the 
what is that called? Like the chemicals, the spray, <laughs> the spray so much that it just like went into my mouth and I was just like coughing. And mum's like, are you going to spray it? I'm like, that chick just did it for the whole class and more. Like I way too much. Like, And I'm just seeing that happen over and over again. Every time you go to the gym, there's just so much of that flying around. And as you say, it's like that's what is, I guess, inherently one of the things that are going to make us sick is the chemicals. So, yeah, I think that, like, I'm interested as well in, like, your opinion on, yeah, you sent me, the other post you sent me, which is, like, all the chemicals that are going into our body from the little things, like, the day little things. And I think that you've been so supportive along my journey where I had the operation as soon as I met you, which was, like, in my head. And I was like, how do I get all of this swelling to go down? Like, I don't want it to be like how it is. And even recently, I've stopped wearing earrings that... I don't want to wear any earrings that aren't like gold because I'm like, okay, cool. What is infecting me? And I used to put in this shampoo all the time that was like this steroids basically that was going into my head. And I'm like, how much of that is like directly going into my pores? And then like, it's just chemicals, right? And so I've stopped shampooing my hair. And like, you've been so supportive of this. And it's also something that I think that a lot of men look at, which is makeup. Like how often are women wearing makeup and putting chemicals into their body and then on the counter side, wondering why they've got acne or issues coming up because they're actually blocking their pores. So I just want to like talk to you about like what your opinion is on this, because I think that you were able to, and I want you to share if you can, the trip you went on when you were able to see the chemicals and that kind of came through to you, that that was what you needed to remove from your life. Mm, yes. <laughs> um, again, this is just something that stemmed from the curiosity of being healthy and and really embodying holistic health per se and over the years i'd learned you know bits and pieces around you know removing aluminium deodorants for example that was the first one of the first things that i sort of made a change from was you know realizing that aluminium deodorants were pretty toxic for the body and over the long term not supportive to health alongside that was it was changing toothpaste that I was using and there were a couple other things that I'd sort of started doing and slowly implementing but I always noticed as or from an early age that I would be quite sensitive to chemicals in a room whether someone spraying like a window spray or some sort of kitchen spray or a bathroom spray or that the smell on clothes would be washed with like really strong like washing detergents and and things like that washing powders always used to kind of smell these products and just be like Ugh, like we'd always feel a bit sick or ill smelling these things and it all sort of came to a head one day where i had found some mushrooms <laughs> with some friends and we were on a golf course and walking up the golf course after eating these mushrooms i just kind of had this huge I guess you'd say download come through and it just showed me this image of this body and it showed you know through many different angles all these chemicals pouring into the vessel you know and that's internally and externally internally through all the foods we eat through you know the residue of sprays and stuff on fruits through the toxins that come in through preservatives and artificial food colorings and all that sort of shit, the glyphosate, you know, all the other things that go into the body through the food that we eat. 
and then all the things that we breathe in from the air so whether that's kitchen sprays you know again deodorants perfume artificial perfumes all these other sprays that we're using on our bodies hairspray god knows what else fly spray all these things that you know that are used in the household and then all the other household products whether it's you know, dish, like dishwashing detergent, putting our hands in hot water and, you know, absorbing the dishwashing detergent through our open pores, through deodorants, to body lotions that we put on that are just, you know, derived, you know, that are just largely produced in labs, you know, just large chemical concoctions of products designed to perfectly lather over our skin and to not look shiny and to, you know, to have all these aesthetic features but underneath it just be loaded with crap to, yeah, the perfumes, you know, I really used to love perfumes and I was like, wow, these are so good. And just after that day, I got home and threw out all the mm. perfumes I had, the Burberry perfume and the Izimiyaki and all these ones that I thought that were great. And again, they're just loaded with the chemicals that affect mm. the body. And I, I kind of just clicked and was like, holy shit, like this concoction of stuff that we are, internally consuming and externally consuming through our environment and through lathering our body and covering our body with crap is not serving our health in any way mm. it is confusing the body it is upsetting and dysregulating many of the body systems and i just saw long term i'm like if i continue to use products like this like i'm going to run into some sort of health issue that'll stem from these whatever that might be, wherever your, you know, your weaknesses or whatever your Achilles heel in is, I think the, the chemical concoction, the food, the processed food that we eat, the emotional dysregulation, those combined will manifest in some form of illness or, or disease or whatever will come up in your body. And I think removing those and really ensuring that your environment is supporting your health is such a crucial aspect. And... You mentioned makeup as well. Um, I think makeup is a it's a double edged sword, right? You know, it's used to beautify women, and I see the use of it. You know, I see the beauty of that of women being able to apply something to themselves to make them feel more confident and to express themselves in another way. Mm. But then on the other other side of the sword is the effects that it's having to the skin. You know you see women layered with makeup and then what do they have to do? They have to use some strong chemical to mm. remove it off their skin and to unclog their pores. And then the next day they layer it back on and they use chemicals to take it back off and they layer it on, take it back off. And you wonder why they then want to use more because they're just destroying the skin underneath the makeup. Mm. And so what's going to happen? They have the makeup on, they then look in the mirror and then they see the skin once they've taken it off the skin, not looking very good, and then they want to be back to that state with the makeup. And I think it becomes an addiction. And society and how society has been managed, I think, has kind of created this, you know, this need for women to really be showing up as their best selves all the time, mm. needing the makeup on, having to be in this perfect shape, having to do all these things, which is just says overly stressful for women and it's actually taking them away from their natural beauty when they're forcing themselves to look good mm. again i'm not a woman so this is just purely a subjective view but i just see it 
objectively and from a health perspective of the skin, it's being so damaging long-term, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Mm-hmm. You know, Again, using it sporadically, buying products that are ethically sourced and using you know, more natural chemical, more natural products, awesome. By all means, like all power to you. But if it's just, you know, this cheap, these cheap products that are, you know, ten dollars from some cheap shop or off some drop shipping website online that, that promises the world, probably gonna be loaded with some sort of shitty chemical that's not gonna serve the well being of someone going forward. Mm. And this applies to all 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 beauty products yeah. for men and women, you know, like the more we try and apply things externally the more we're taking away from actually just doing the internal work to embody the the feeling of beauty or to eat the healthy food that's actually going to make our skin glow from the inside out yeah. you know nothing can really be solved from the outside in in terms of our health i think it has to come from the inside first and then it's going to radiate outwardly mm, yeah i think yeah that's so so true and i think that all advertising really preys on our insecurities and within that it's like this not enoughness and then this like okay quick fix like they prey on your pain point and then they're like okay we've got the quick fix to that and it's so addictive it's like anti-aging yeah anti-aging boom those words fucking people will sell their soul for like tell me it's like you're always you're gonna fucking age like you're literally gonna age but like in the process are you gonna support yourself for longevity and we're not by by basically going straight to these quick fixes because there is no fucking quick fix and I think I remember so clearly when I pulled out the makeup like in front of you and you were like your emotions and then we had this conversation and you were just really honest and about your opinion on it and I found that through talking to people and in, even in like the episode I did on sustainability with um, Ella, she had the same story. Like her partner was like, why are you wearing the makeup? You look way better without it. And with you, you're like, you, it's just unnecessary. Like you don't need it. And ever since then, I think I've worn makeup like maybe like four times this year. It's like, and I, you know, I'm probably going to wear it like next weekend at a wedding, but it's like, I'm going to invest now with your support in stuff that's going to actually be like a lot cleaner. And I'm going to actually think about what that product is and know what I'm putting on my face. But I don't even really like, I'm not excited to put it on. I remember the last time I wore it, I was like, I remember the feeling because I was so conscious of it. I was like, oh, I just like feel like this is like a hit of heroin almost like because you take it off and you're like oh this is just me like you when you come you're having like a come down when you're going back to your own face and I was like <laughs> that's so ridiculous that that was because that's why I didn't used to like wearing makeup in the first place because the next day I was like oh I felt so much more confident the day before when I had it on and that's like a mask right we're getting addicted to something that isn't ourselves well, the same thing as the filters that people use on their social media apps whether it's snapchat or instagram yeah. i think a lot of people are addicted to filters yes. as well and i definitely have looked at myself on a on a you know like a snapchat that i was going to send to someone and been like oh my skin and then i put a filter over it and i mean like fuck i look gr- like so much fuck better here. <laughs> yeah i'm like so much better here but then i'm like fuck i don't want to send it with a filter so i just got to the point where i'm like yeah oh, fuck filters like why why try and filter ourselves? Good question. I mean, and it's like a muscle that you have to train, right? Like and throughout this year, it's been similar to that for me. Like 
and I've noticed month after month, week after week, like if I really become conscious to it, like wearing makeup for me just you know, without being literally a celebrant at a wedding, that's the only time I can think of that I'm going to be wearing makeup is like, and that's literally to do like a duty and maybe a tiny little bit. Like I just have no interest in doing so. And I think that there's conditioning everywhere about that. Like bless my mom. She was just wants to support me. But like, I was really triggered last week when she was like, oh, M, like, you know, are you going to get some, going to get some makeup? I'll get it for you. I like it when you just wear like a little bit around your eyes. And I just went from feeling so confident and like I was radiating to just like, I can't believe my mom, the one person in the world wants me to wear makeup, but that just comes from her conditioning. And, you know, she's only trying to support me. She like thinks a certain way. It doesn't have anything to do with love, but I was like, fuck, this is everywhere. Like to basically not wear makeup and to come out of that for a woman is like so difficult, but it's definitely the gift you've given me. And it's through such logic. It's like, oh, you know, is that is that doing any benefit to your face, to your health? No, not in the long term. And then I was able to be like, is that doing any benefit to your confidence? Fuck no. It's the last thing that's making me confident. It's like I put it on and I take it off and I'm depressed because I'm myself. Like that was horrible. So I think that like over the past nine months to really like grow into who I am naturally and to own it and to like not look at my scar on my face and be like, like just be like, oh cool, I'm actually learning to love myself authentically without any filters. Like I think that's the biggest gift I could have given to my 15 year old self. And I think that that's like a combined with health and learning how to feed myself and nourish myself and to not cut back on foods or anything ridiculous like that is been also another gift you've given me and so like those two things I think was especially like it comes in with it feels like toxic masculinity that comes is why people are conditioned to be that way like you know women are afraid of putting on weight we're afraid of like not wearing makeup because we we care about what we look like because we're always comparing to other people so I think that those two things like such blessings that you've given me since we've been dating and I'll forever be able to have those so I thank you so 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 much and with that like I think that you've you've got this ability to no matter what, want to overcome any conditionings we have in society and not be trapped by them. And I see people in society, they're spending their money on like, if you go to fucking Mecca, like every single product is slightly different from one or the other. And it's just obviously they're absolutely killing it because they're consistently opening up more like places, more stores. And women are just like hooked on the next big thing. And it might be like 70 odd dollars or something for like a little eyeshadow. Like it's ridiculous how much we've bought into the system. And then I look at you and you're constantly, the way you live is like, I is trying to get out of the system. And I think that one of the big things as well with your story is going from banking, which is such a, you know, like a lot of the people you used to work with aren't a lot of money. And to be able to step away from that, to follow in your dharma and to do what you're doing now, which is like healing people and you do it for free. You literally are there week after week, every fortnight on a Sunday morning, gifting people with your presence and allowing them to have deep breakthroughs on the beach at Telavadra and I'm there crying my eyes out normally and I think that that is such an inspiring journey and I've kind of want one of the questions Lauren asked me was what did she say what uh, what led you to transition from banking to breathwork or to where you are now and everything you're doing 
where to start? <laughs> Why yeah, did well, you want to do it in the first place? Well, so I'll track back to being 10 years old and hearing a comment from my dad about one of our family friend's sons who had just got his first bonus and banking and it was $25,000 US dollars for his first bonus on his first year. And I remember as a 10 year old, 12 year old, whatever, however old I was, I was like, wow, that's like fucking, that's like so epic. Track forward a couple of years, my mum bought me the book, The Wolf of Wall Street when I was, I think, 14 <laughs> or 15. And, and he became a coke addict. <laughs> and I read that and I was like, fuck, this is a, this is a sick story. Like, this guy's wild. Like, fuck yeah. Like, you know, it's fun. Like, yeah, it just sounded like this like ridiculous story. And, yeah. and I think that kind of contributed as well to this kind of concept. And then just going to the school I went to, you know, I, I did economics and accounting as two of my uh, subjects at high school and and then we just had to go then we had the careers department that we'd go and sit down with and they'd ask you what you want to do and not really knowing myself and not really being supported to understand myself um I was like oh yeah yeah like banking yeah I'll, I'll go into banking how do I do that what do I do and you know, I selected the, you know, the University of Auckland because that was the most internationally recognized university and I was really adamant on going to the United States and working and banking. That was the original intention. <laughs> Take me to Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there was like, ah, fuck, sick. That'd be epic. <laughs> so, you know, get to uni, you know, do my thing, study finance and economics, you know, kind of just breeze by. I didn't really put much effort into, you know, studying. We can we can jump into that later, um, but you know, managed to make my way through uni, made some good connections, and through those good connections, managed to kind of work myself into a you know a job that my grades would allow me to get into because I didn't have the highest grades, I didn't get selected for you know some top entry level position, but within the first year, worked my way you know very quickly by talking a bit of talk and. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and got into the, got into the position that I You're wanted smooth. to be in. Yeah, got into the position that I wanted to. Played my cards right by getting an interview with another company and pretty much talking smack to them. I had no idea what I was like even getting into, but I just had a connection. You can there. interview as well. Yeah, I had a connection <laughs> with someone who got me an interview to a position that I was definitely underqualified for, and I just made some bullshit up and I told them that I was getting paid way more than I was and they offered me an amount <laughs> that was way higher than I expected and then I went back to who I was working for and told them that that I got offered this amount and I managed to weasel my way into a six-week holiday as well uh, to go to <laughs> Columbia with two of my, my best mates at uni <laughs> well after they had finished their degrees so it worked out pretty well but you know I got that position I you know I thought that banking was going to be the thing I'm going to earn some money you know, I can work through this company that I got into, you know, I can, you know, there's always a way I can transition over to the UK or to the States and I'll like, you know, I'll be earning lots of money and life will be good. And, you know, I got that good position, which was leading me in that path. I was trying to do my Chartered Financial Analyst course, but was just like really battling to do it. Like I couldn't concentrate. I... <laughs> Yeah, I guess my soul just knew that it wasn't right and I just couldn't do it. I just was like, I'd study and I'd kind of learn and I just was like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, mm. do I want to be doing this? I want to be outside. I want to be 
in the sun. I love being in nature. I love exercising. I love doing these things. Like, but I'm here, you know, in a, wearing a suit every day. It just didn't feel right for me. And it took me having a full breakdown, um, one at a beach away from the office to really like, you know, just kind of snap me out of this daze I was in. And, you know, that, that breakdown, I was on the verge of wanting to just end my life. I was like, fuck this. Like, is this what life's about? I'm just turning up to this office, wearing my suit every day. And I know for some people, they love that. They love the job they do. They love what they're doing. And I was interested in it, but I didn't love it. I wasn't passionate about it. I didn't feel fulfilled. And I just had to, I had to quit. I mentioned to my friend that, you know, that was on the cards and he was like, just do it. He's like, do it. And he just got <laughs> in my ear and was like, fuck yeah, do it. And he had quit his job recently in a similar industry and started his own business of which he's built to something incredible now. Um, and so I just quit, had no idea what I was going to do. He was like, you can come help me out. So I was like, fuck it, let's do it. And it's funny, it actually ended up being two years exactly from the day I started. I think I started on the 10th of December and I finished on the 9th of December, 2016. Wow. Yeah, exactly two years later. And I told my parents, I said to them, I'm going to give it two years. I'm going to give it a good crack for two years and I'll, and I'll reevaluate then. And wow. literally two years on the dot, I was out. Like, I was Peace. done. Yeah, I was done. <laughs> you know, I was walking out, I was flicking my banking cards up the road, <laughs> my, my business card. <laughs> And I was like, I'm done. And it was funny. The guys in the office were awesome, though. They were all a bunch of legends. And, you know, they, they gave me this card. And it was like, happy retirement. You know? yeah. <laughs> was, uh, How old are you at this yeah, stage? 24 or something, 23. <laughs> it's like, I'm out. Um, but after that point, yeah, I didn't really have a plan about what was next. I, mm. I just knew that something else out there was in store for me in the universe. I... I guess I just trusted. I just was like, fuck, whatever comes up, comes up. And fortunately, yeah, I had my friend to work with for a bit who I helped out and just did really odd bits around the place for and, you know, got to have a bit of fun along the way. And then I had this trip to South America, which was originally supposed to be two weeks. And I extended it to 10 weeks or 12 weeks or something, three months. And then I was like, well, I really want to go and do an ayahuasca ceremony or a retreat. So I found a place that looked really incredible in northern Brazil, set that up, paid the deposit, and yeah, next thing you know, I did that. And that opened me up in many ways, and I made a decision to stop drinking alcohol for a year, and no drugs, no weed, no anything. And then from that decision, just learned so much about myself after letting go of the vices or the things that I'd been using to connect and to be social, I had to really come back into myself and understand who Jonty was. Mm. You know, I also went fully vegan in that time. I yeah. started doing lots of yoga. I dropped down to about 67 kilos. Like I was pretty skinny. I wasn't doing any strengthening work. I was doing like running and cycling, like medium to long distance running and swimming and then or cycling, sorry, and yoga and eating vegetarian or fully vegan. So like really trimmed down. I just wasn't eating enough like volume of food. It was healthy and clean and mm. I felt really good, but I just wasn't eating enough to maintain muscle mass. And from that, I 
was still in the same environment that I was in and you know after the year had finished of you know no drinking or no drugs like those things started just coming back into my life you know having a few drinks here and there smoking a bit of weed you know whatever else was in the in the mix and I kind of I guess I just started falling back into the the, the, the ways I had been operating before I had done this full year of sobriety or you know close to a full year of sobriety and was kind of like well again this isn't serving me like something needs to change and so the decision with the girlfriend at the time was that we were going to move over to the Gold Coast and I'd come over with a friend of mine Jesse we came over we had five days start of 2018 we surfed we just had an absolute blast on the Gold Coast and I was like fuck this place is epic it's so sick the surf's incredible the nature here is like mind-blowing the weather is just next level and fast track just over 13 months i had moved here so february 2019 landed here on the gold coast was a bit sort of confused about what to do and what the next step was but I just knew that I had to find a job of some sort to start supporting myself. Got a job in sales, um, 100% commission-based job. I did not feel connected to the product at all. I felt shit selling it and I just failed miserably at that job. I learned a lot about the sales process and the like, the terminology behind it and I guess the theory but just couldn't sell the product. I just really didn't enjoy it. And so four months in, I was like, fuck, okay, I'm out. I can't, I like, I can't s- sit here and- Sell my and, soul. Yeah, and cold call, not so much sell my soul, but like call, yeah, cold call tradies during their work days and try and sell them some sort of app. Mm. Like, you know, you're really pushing shit uphill. Like some of the guys are really good at it, but I was a Kiwi as well, could barely pronounce those, like many of the Australian <laughs> names, you know, and they'll just be like, like, mate, like who the fuck are you and like they'll just hang up on me or yell at me or tell me to jump off a bridge and so I think that sort of I think that forced me into a bit of a pit I also shaved my hair at the same time completely shaved off my my longish hair went completely like bald went through a bit of a, a radical shift and it wasn't until I came back to New Zealand to in about August about after about being here for about six months and I was like, okay, something has to shift. And I was like, what do I enjoy doing? What am I, you know, already have some knowledge at? What can I earn money from? And what came to me? And I was like, and I want to help people in some way. And what came to me was personal training. I was like, okay, like, let's, let's just give that a crack. I couldn't decide, you know, I'd thought about going back to university and, and studying naturopathy or natural health or something around, something along those lines. But the idea of committing to another three to five years of study just it just didn't feel right for me you know I felt like I already had skills and so I committed to doing this personal training course and fortunately had some friends who offered me a really good job to work for them as well at the same time that I could so I could earn pretty good money whilst doing my personal training course and that took me basically until the start of COVID like when COVID hit and finished the course COVID hit I was like fuck now what and COVID hit I was here by myself I'd ended the relationship with the the girl that I'd moved over here with so I was just by myself on the Gold Coast I was like well I really need to just like work on myself 
you know, the gym, I'd started working at a gym. I'd been there for three weeks and then all the gyms closed down. Mm. So I was like, fuck, okay, I need to sort myself out. So I, yeah, I just started reading. I just started learning. I just started doing all these different practices. And one of the practices that I really connected with was breathwork at the start of 2020. I ended up going through a phase of doing breathwork most days for six months or even longer and the journey that that took me on yeah opened me up in so many ways and from that I was like wow like there's really something in this and Mm. it shifted so much within me and I think you know I can support other people doing the same thing too track forward a little bit you know I'd been through some other stuff the the next the this next girl that I started seeing, you know, we'd had a, you know, sort of fireworks relationship. It was up, it was all explosive. And then we went through some pretty heavy stuff. And I think my insecurities got the best of me and I just couldn't handle it all. I couldn't handle it. I didn't see, I got to a point where I didn't see a future in it anymore. Left that relationship, you know, that's when I got the job. And coming out the back of that job, I... I was like, okay, I need to really connect back to breathwork, to that practice that I'd created. And I challenged myself to 30 days of breathwork. Did it, committed to it. And on the 30th day, I was at this gym that I was, or at this um, studio where I was taking a weekly fitness class. No one turned up to the class. It was Wednesday morning, 9.30. It was only usually about three to sort of six people would turn up. But this morning, no one sort of seemed to turn up. I was like, okay, I'll do my own workout. I'm in this beautiful gym, like this beautiful studio, why not? Started doing the workout and in comes this guy who works next door, like in the same building, um, treating treating patients and doing his own thing and we just started having a conversation and he telling me what he was telling me what he did and I was like, Wow, that's what you do sounds incredible. I'd love to I'd love to experience it right now. Like, can you take me through a session of yours? And he was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll do a free consultation. I was like, no, 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 I'll pay for a a full session right now, like an hour session. And so during that session, we just got talking and I just told him that I had just done this 30 day of breathwork challenge. And he was like, oh bro, like I, I do these events on the beach and, you know, I'd love for you to come down and like, and be a part of it and, you know, just come along and, I guess one thing led to the other and, you know, we, we decided that we wanted to work together. I supported him in one of the events and then, and from that I facilitated in the next event, ran the meditation and then the next event ran some breath work. And he was just like, yeah, bro, like fucking hey, like, yeah, let's do this. So yeah, we, we rebranded his little, the thing that he created and, you know, came together with both our energies and both our talents and decide to create something new from that. And, and yeah, from there have gone on to create and run a multitude of different events and yeah, have many other things coming up. But I think this is just, yeah, very much the, the early phases of what we're creating and, and what's out there. You know, I'm still, I'm still overcoming lots of stuff in terms of running these events. There are, you know, uh, many, not many insecurities that come up in ways. There are, you know, the concepts of concept of being, you know, am I being authentic in terms of showing up and, and guiding people through these sessions? Am I qualified enough? Am I, you know, there's all these little 
things that come into play mm. um, when holding these events. But I think just by showing up and by having feedback and getting feedback from people and, and all the ways that people are showing up to support this cause have kind of just, yeah, really supported me to just continually show up and want to create more and want to give back in many other ways. So yeah, I think that's kind of... The, the transitional story. Yeah, the transitional <laughs> story, yeah. And there are many little bits in between. There are many highs and many lows that I went through to, mm. I guess, to have, you know to go through those breakdowns to have the breakthroughs and and yeah and all the little parts in between that got me to that point but that's kind of the the overview of the journey that took me from banking to breathwork yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the short stories for you lost banking, banking to breathwork yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like so i find it so courageous when especially because you it wasn't and like Lauren will be interested to hear and people, it wasn't just like a direct thing. You didn't know, okay, cool. I'm going straight into PT. I'm going straight into breath work. Like you had years in between where you were working for a mate's company, like obviously watching him sort of be in a bit of his dharma and do his thing. And then you were in sales, like you were living life, but like I'm sure there was struggles along the way of being like, fuck, what am I going to fucking do? And then, you know, it's so courageous to hear when people have gone in to study something for three, four years, come out, be making good money and be like, okay, cool, I can have a living. This is security. This is safety. Yes, I'm selling part of my soul in the process and I'm bored out of my brains I don't really feel in my in- integrity, but it's like, it's safe. It's what our parents taught us. It's what society has taught us that we have to do. So like step away, especially like right on the two year mark and you honoured yourself by giving yourself that time. But I think it's courageous. And I think it's something that needs to be supported more in society, especially when you are a 15 year old kid and you're being taught like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? I think that quitting is so much like quitting is such like a heavy word for like, letting go of something that's taught you what it's needed to teach you up until now and then you're like actually stepping into who you are and who you've become along the way and along that journey but it's so courageous and I can imagine there was lows where you're like what the fuck am I doing but like how did that feel like if you were to talk to a younger kid right now like what advice would you give them from that time in your life and to getting to where you are now and where you are now is like yeah you're learning along the way and you're doing events but like you're fucking always up leveling like you can look back in an event and be like cool that was amazing people had such a good time but how can I make the next one even better and I think that's when you really know that you're in your dharma and you're doing what society needs you to be doing and that's your gift to the world I'd say the first thing biggest piece of advice is just follow your dreams (laughs) (laughs) wow that was so amazing (laughs) Put that on a t-shirt, kids. Yeah, follow your dreams. <laughs> no, um, I think that is important. I think having dreams is incredible and, and honouring what we think about and love the most is a, a very important part. <laughs> I think I think that concept, though, is a, is a bit, yeah, it's very high level. Follow your dreams. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? What are my dreams, you know? Yeah. I think it's just getting really clear on on the things that you need to do in your life, the things you Mm. want to do in your life and the things you love doing in your life. Mm. And, you know, like these, you know, many different models out there, the ikigai model of, you know, 
you know, what are you passionate about? What do you love? What can you get paid for? What does the world need? Like finding yeah. that combination in between those things. Yeah. It's really just, yeah, tuning back into self and thinking, what do I actually enjoy doing? You know, but mm. using a bit of logic around it, using a bit of logic. Okay, well, I enjoy doing this. Like, could I make a living in some way from this? Yeah. You know, and what's reasonable in my life? I know for myself, some of the steps I took weren't probably the most logical or probably didn't make the most sense. Mm. I I was very blessed to have, you know, a cryptocurrency investment from 2002. 13 or something you know 500 bucks turned into quite a bit of money which i was able to use to support myself through some of these lows so Mm. that financial blessing really helped me in many ways but then also there were other times where i had no money and i was living off a pretty small amount you know i even at one point i was on the the benefit or the dole in new zealand living off a few hundred bucks a week and kind of just like you know, really pulling the pieces together and learning how to live on a budget. Mm. Um, I think it's just about, yeah, stepping out of the comfort zone, deciding that, you know, life doesn't have to be about comfort and about getting everything right. Like we can just, we can play, we can have fun, we can do the things we like to do. Mm. And if we're passionate about the things we like to do and we support our bodies along the way by you know by looking after our body by exercising by eating healthy food by tending to our mental capacity by you know wanting to up level our lives if we don't have the answers now if we do those things we will find the answers for ourselves mm. and i think even just asking the question like asking yourself those questions like what do i love what are my passions like what could i get paid for that i would enjoy doing really just like sitting with self and asking those questions, whether that's through just meditation or that's through writing or it could be through any practice. Yeah. Just really getting clear on who you are as a person and, and, and what you have to offer the world, I think is one of the ways that you're going to figure out what you really want to do. And yeah. for some, it does, it might take a while. For some, it might take years and years to figure out what they want to do. If some click, some know their purpose from the age of five years old and that's awesome, all power to them. You know, some people figure the stuff out at 50 or at 60. But I think as long as you're being true to yourself and honoring yourself and and surrounding yourself with people that are going to support you, I think your life, you'll be guided to the thing that's going to, to bring you the most happiness, to bring you the most joy. But I think along the way, you have to be prepared and you have to be ready for what life's going to throw at you. You know, I think the bigger the goals we set, the bigger the setbacks we have to face. Mm. I really like that quote. There's parts of me that want to not agree with it and being like, is that just creating a belief that I have to face big setbacks if I want to strive and get to big goals? But I think in terms of setbacks, I think it's just more challenges or opportunities yeah it's like the bigger the goals we have the bigger the opportunities we have to step up in our lives and to break through our our old narrative to break through the previous paradigms that were holding us at a certain level you Mm. know you have to become in order to get to be the person you want to be you've got to become something different to who you are right now so you have to make changes you have to work on yourself you have to read you have to learn you have to experience and you have to bring all those pieces together to be able to do something different than where you currently are now. Mm. And I think it's just about never stopping. Like I don't, I don't believe failure is even a thing. 
No, you know, the idea lessons. Of, yeah, I think the only time you fail is when you stop. When you yeah. actually just stop or give up. Yeah. That, that's failure. Mm. You know, if you keep moving forward and you understand that within each action or each experience that we have, there is something that we can learn. There is some seed of knowledge that we can tend to and we can grow a beautiful tree from. We can use that knowledge to further our lives going forward. If we decide that, you know, this person did us wrong and this person didn't treat me right and blah, 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 and play the victim, mm. we're going to create our, our life based around this victimhood. But if we pull that back and say, hey, I can learn lessons from all of this stuff, I can take this knowledge, and yes, you know, this person did treat me this way and this person did this to me, but now I know how I also don't want to be treated and I know that I want to treat people better moving mm. forward you know that's a beautiful lesson we can learn from these things and yeah when you just hold true to yourself you will find the thing yeah you will discover more about yourself and yeah you'll just allow yourself to have a good life mm. yeah yeah I think there's so much to that but I think yeah it's it's about just following your curiosity like what lights you up and it doesn't have to even though these days you can literally make money off doing anything like that's what the blessing of social media and this younger generation have taught us like you can be doing absolutely anything you love and I'm sure that there's like 100,000 people out there in the world that would also love it and they would support you and then you could start making money off a product that has something to do with that like that is the biggest blessing we have to do with the 21st century technology. Like your audience is so much far and further and wider than it ever has been before. And people, there's always going to be people out there that have the same interests as you. And I think, yeah, there's a big blessing. I've also been through the same thing where it's like you've, in order to get where you need to be, like I had to really come back down and have I felt like my ego was completely stripped away from me when I was working on myself and I was only on the doll. Like, and that was, and even that in itself, like, that's a blessing that we have in countries like Australia and New Zealand. Like, that doesn't happen in third world countries where the government's supporting them. And hardly even in like America, I doubt that that's like enough to support them to be able to, in the meantime, work on themselves and find their (laughs) Dharma. We're so privileged. Governments that support us in that way. Yeah. And in that process, like, I think that it brings you back, and my friends have had it at the moment who are all stepping into their Dharma. Like, it brings you back to like okay cool I used to live in this lavish style of what I loved I could just get what I loved and wanted but now I'll come back to what do I actually need and when you sit with what do you actually need and you spend your money on just that it really does bring you back to who you are and yourself and like my needs definitely like acupuncture like those types of things and like like that would be where I'd put my money rather than like even clothes when I was in that position, like anything like that. So it's like, you know, it brings you back to having that reality check that I think that when we do start earning money post university, it's so necessary because you just kind of get away from yourselves and you lose touch with like what's actually happening. And I think that, yeah, it's a beautiful process to do that. And I also believe, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like we talk about failures so much in life and we like normalize it but I'm like was it ever if you learnt something in that process was it ever really a failure like it's this a lesson it is something you went through and the other thing you touched on was like yeah the bigger your ambitions and the goals you set and we've gone through this recently we're like okay cool this is what we want and these are our like dreams and we're going to make that happen and then 
the universe just threw every single challenge our way. And I think that it's the universe's way of being like, okay, you want all these things. Are you up for it? Mm. Are you ready? Are you here for it? Yeah, it's going to find all the little cracks and fill them up with (laughs) with the challenges that are going to allow you to overcome those or stress test those. Mm. Yeah, it's going to stress test you to to be able to become that version of yourself. But I think if you hold strong to what you want or what you want to create in life and you keep holding that there, you know, without being too over, without being fully attached to it, but you know that this is where you're going and where you want to be and you stay consistent, you will get there. Yeah. You will get to that point, you know, and if you don't, you'll probably get somewhere pretty close and you might have to reevaluate and figure out something else. But when you keep just going and you keep like, you know, what I've found is that I've, I've wanted to quit so many times. Mm, feels so many times have I the the event that I just ran recently a couple nights ago about two or about one third to a half of the way through the event I wanted to run out the door I I just had this wave of like energy come through me that was just like get out I'm not I can't do this no I'm out I have to go and for a brief moment I wanted to to bolt and to, like, just to completely just ditch the event and all the people that I'm, the, the 20, <laughs> 23 people that I'd, I had brought into this room, run out the door and never look back, delete my Facebook, delete Instagram. My, I, don't, I don't know what the plan would have been. <laughs> don't know where I would have found yeah, you don't, next. I don't know where I would have gone, but like, fuck. You know, and I just had to come back into the moment and yeah. take a breath, ground myself back down and just go, no, I'm here. And this is what I'm doing and, and just step back into it. Yeah. You know, but those, those things will come at you all the time. Yeah. You know, the, the voice, the thousand voices that they say you have in your head from society, from family, from friends, from, you know, from people that you met, all the comments that you've heard from your friends directly to you or directed to other people. You have all those little voices in your head and all those little voices are, are going to come into play at some point the next time you you know you want to be vulnerable and put yourself online or the next time you want to have that tough conversation or you want to try and step up in some way in your life and do something you've never done before mm-hmm. sometimes quite often there's that some voice that will come up and that's you know that voice is just trying to hold you down it's trying to keep you back in the comfort zone and and lock you back into this little box that society wants to keep you in struggling and addicted to the system and addicted to these dopamine rushes that we get from social media and from sugar and from drugs and yeah and just pull you into this low vibrationary state and and those are the opportunities where you know as humans we can shine and we can step through those moments we can feel through it and decide that no we are going to do the thing that we want to do and we're going to make it, we're going to do it, and we're just going to feel the feelings afterwards. Yeah. And we just do it. And then you go into the next thing, and then you go on to the next thing, and it's just one step at a time. Mm. And eventually you'll get there. 
Yeah. I think that the biggest thing you did as well, and this is something I did and I didn't touch base on it before, was like you literally stripped yourself of all your vices. Not that you fucking have many compared to anybody else, like, but stripping yourself of all your vices is where you can, you have to feel the feels. And this is something that they force you to do when you're in rehab and something that I've definitely took on board as well. When I was there, I was like, okay, cool. When I get out of here, I'm not going to have unnecessary sugar. I'm going to delete my Instagram. I'm not going to date. I'm not going to do all these things. And I kind of as well did the same thing for a year. I definitely would have eaten chitter food than you, no doubt about it. Everyone in the world does. But I think that that was something that really brings you back to yourself but even then I didn't leave myself space to like breathe or have any room I did breath work but like yeah it was one of those things where it made me really have to sit in my shit and realize who I was and then I think for you and something I'm interested in I think a way that you can like find yourself and what you want to do next is through knowing your core value values and that's something that I think one of the questions have come through as well is like what are your core values and you're so strong with yours like you know yours and you can like list them and you know why they are your core values I'm definitely learning mine still but yeah I think that it's has that been something that guides you and what are they values thank you for bringing that up the I think the concept of values is something that I connected with a couple of years ago. I think it was reading a book called The Buddha and the Badass by Vishen Lakhiani. And he guided the readers through a process where you basically analyze your life, you know, from the day you were born to the moment that you're in in the moment. Tracking through all the big events that happened to you and breaking down what are the core values that were formed throughout your upbringing throughout mm. your life and for me the three and they're fairly generic but it's love growth and freedom mm-hmm. and growth being this constant want to grow and this yeah and this constant connection with the concept of change because change is inevitable change is happening around us all the time everything is in motion mm. everything is vibrating everything is constantly moving the universe is going through all sorts of different things and working with that and growing through that and growing through our lives. And, you know, we are obviously aging in some, some way, shape or form. We're not here for a indefinite or an infinite time. I believe we are infinite in our nature in terms of our souls and the energy that, you know, and the energy that we were created from that is infinite, but as physical beings, you know, we have a finite time. However, as a soul we can continually grow and can continually up level in some way to understand the world more to understand humans more to understand ourselves more and understand the nature of all things more the nature of consciousness and all these other components that are you know surrounding us in our daily lives love was pretty straightforward you know it's just i think the bonding force for for being human is love and <clears throat> to love thyself and to love those around you is is a beautiful way to live. You know, it's it's a concept that's easier spoken about than actually taken you know taking action on. Mm. I you know it's taken me years to even understand the concept of or to to em, not even embody. I I wouldn't say I'm embodying it fully. Is to understand the concept of loving oneself fully. You know, mm-hmm. like, and then to feel that love in the body and to really 
connect with that love. Like that's still something that I'm still working on. But I know that in my truth that that is such an important concept. And then I guess the idea of freedom is it's just understanding that as in our nature we are free. Mm-hmm. You know, we have freedom to decide how we interact with any moment and with any situation that comes up. And that is freedom. Yes, people will anger us. Yes, we'll kick our toe and hurt our bodies. Yes, these things will come up and we will be frustrated. But we have the freedom to choose how we react to those things at all points in our lives. And again, this is something that I I know to be really true and I want to embody and I want to continually grow into being able to embody freedom. But I'm not yet. I'm not there yet. I'm I'm still working through insecurities that I've had from from childhood. I'm still working through lots of other components, fears that come up in regards to putting myself out there online, fears that come up into stepping into my business and and really building something for the future. There are fears of failure, there are fears of success, there are a multitude of other fears and things that come into play, but I think having those guiding values as pillars for your life mm. is something that you can always come back to and connect to and remind yourself of what your values are and why you're doing what you're doing. Do I get it right all the time? No. <laughs> but but I'm trying. Yeah. And I do keep I do remind myself daily of these values and, and what they are and, and what they mean to me. I try my best to do so. Yeah. And the more I remind myself and connect myself to what those values are, the more I am embodying them. Mm. And yeah, that's sort of what's got me to here. Yeah. I don't think you give yourself enough credit because love, for example, like you, self-love is self-discipline. And when it comes to that avenue, like you are the most, that's why I have you on here, even though it's for Sheila's, like it's like you just embody self-love when it comes to self-discipline. Like you do that and you are so aware of what you put into your vessel. And that's all we have here on earth. Like we only have our beautiful vessel, which is our body and you honor it with so much love more than anybody else. Our body is our temple. Exactly. And you treat it like (laughs) your temple though. You do. You're like more than anyone else I've ever met. You're just like, you're not taking shortcuts. You never take shortcuts. And that's like so endearing. And it's something that I've learned from you so much and been so inspired by. And I've continued to be like, how can I learn more? from that from you and I just watch you and then like do it myself and just copy you as you called me up the other day I just copy you and I do because you're doing it you're leading the way and it's inspiring and I think that that version of love is like you definitely have that embodied and even the way that you pick up on how I speak to myself and you speak to yourself when it comes to love like you'll only you'll correct me and be like no you don't speak to yourself like that if I say something that's like not loving and I think that yeah you definitely do that all the time and freedom like there's no one more that I know that I'm close to whatsoever that is breaking away from the system more and that's where true freedom lies is not being controlled from those avenues and the way we do get controlled is when we're handing over our health because that's when we have to rely on pharmaceuticals or the doctors or anything like that and like stay within that system. So you are doing that. And what's your other one? Adventurer. 
or <laughs> love growth and freedom growth yeah. yeah oh my god no one does more growth work than you like on the daily everything you do it's like how can I up level and it's like and you do you know how you do it you do it with so much fun like I'm always like okay the coaching skills you have is like your blessing is that you literally make it so fun like it's not there's no resistance to wanting to up level there's no like oh I have to do this and I know I see you sometimes be resistant to like the little things like doing your own breath work and all that like people might think you do that so easily and all the time but it's like you're you are human but you always know what's best for you and you're always tapping into that so it's like those three values like you are 100% embodying them to the best of your ability all the time so I don't think you give yourself anywhere near enough credit for that so make sure you do because I think that yeah it's something that like I think if we get clear with our values and someone else said this that you can always make sure you're aligned Mm -hmm. and being aligned and in balance is like something that you yeah always trying to do like am I in alignment why am I not and you you can figure it out you're like what did I eat today what did I do like you have this analysis of yourself which is so beautiful because it's like you can track everything you've done whereas I might do and I do do a lot of things very unconsciously or subconsciously and I can't remember what happened but you have this memory of everything you've consumed and done to support yourself within that day that week that month and then you're able to think back and be like okay cool how did that serve me or how did that not serve me and that's like what a true coach does with people they're able to track that and then to better themselves and to learn from their mistakes or to go forward and be like okay cool that really worked for me I'm going to continue to do that when I feel like that and I think that that's definitely like one of your blessings and a lot of the questions that keep coming up as well at the moment I really want to tap into is like they I find it interesting that people have asked like being so self-aware people by the way think you're so conscious every question is like being so self-aware and conscious how do you approach life in regards to dealing with conflict and that's like this is a common one that's come up and I'm like I'm so eager to hear how you because yeah you do have this loving way and you are so softly spoken and it's yeah it I, i'm intrigued as well so like what your methods are for conflict for conflict <laughs> even though i'm normally on the other side of that <laughs> i've definitely been very avoidant to conflict <laughs> that is yeah um i think in terms of my nature or one of my I guess more self-sabotaging tactics or behaviors is to be avoidant but what i've realized from being avoidant is (laughs) the the elephant in the room only grows bigger to use that analogy the thing that you avoid only gets uglier and hairier and the longer you leave it there the bigger it grows so in that regard And something that you've helped support me through is, yeah, I guess the concept of radical transparency and and being fully transparent about the things that have come up or the things that are coming up and being present. And, you know, um, there have been moments where, you know, I've I've just shared a passing thought that's come up and it's been (laughs) like pretty hectic. And you've been a bit shocked and, you know, I've learned to realize that, you know, it's just like some sort of twisted thought that might come up in your head around, you know, whether it's some nasty judgment or it's something I'm like, some of those thoughts do not need to be shared. You know, mm-hmm. you know, if it's something that's coming up over and over and over and over, yes, 
if yeah. it's just a passing thought or a dark thought that comes through, probably not the need to share it, you know? So that's something that I've learned is, you know, I guess with the radical transparency to test it out and to, to work with it and to understand, you know, I had to go, go through some of those phases of sharing some things that I were like, this is like pretty hectic that I'm sharing this, but, you know, I'm trying to be transparent and I'm going to honour that, so I'm just going to say it. Yeah. And then like, <laughs> it comes out of my mouth and I'm like, holy crap, that was like, yeah, that was full on. So... And other side of that, you know, trying to beat around the bush in terms of like trying to shape things to make them sound better. So on one side, just saying things really brashly. On the other side, trying to like curate things to sound okay. You know, I've kind of started getting to a better point where it's like I can actually just listen to my body and and share what's coming up in the moment. But I think in regards to conflict, yeah, um, there are many moments and there are times where I, I react. I, I notice myself, I catch myself reacting and sometimes there's this part of me and I don't know, I'd like to refer to it as the, like the teenage boy within mm. me that kind of wants to stir shit and maybe gets off on stirring shit. And that little teenage boy energy within me comes out and, and it wants to snap back and it goes, and then, you know, sometimes and in the past I've, that has come out and that, I guess that toxic component has come out and I've, I've been like, holy shit, I've been a bit shocked. And other times I've been able to actually catch it before it's come out. And I think as I've grown and as I become more self-aware of, being able to observe the the thing coming up through me before it comes up through me and to actually kind of step back and go, hold up, no, I'm actually not going to engage with that right now. I'm going to sit here and I'm I'm just going to sit with this feeling and I'm going to think about it first or I'm going to feel it before I just let it run loose. Mm. But again, I don't always get that right. And, you know, I this is something I'm constantly working on and I notice this in particularly in areas where things don't go the way I would want them to go or things aren't as perfect as I would like them to potentially be. Um, but I think that is, again, that's a perfectionist tendency that comes into play. And off the back of that, I've learned to, to really just accept, you know, good over needing to be perfect or great instead of perfect, you know? Mm. knowing that if something's done to 80%, whether it's creating a video or it's doing a podcast or it's creating a, some marketing for a, an event, you know, getting it to 80% and then releasing it is better than not doing it all. And it's a whole bunch better than avoiding it and trying to have it 100% perfect and not actually doing the thing. Progress over perfection. Yeah, progress over perfection. <clears throat> so the conflict situation, yeah, it's something that I do avoid and I even noticed this with you know I shared something with you know someone I had done some work with recently I shared something that had come up about where I had felt like you know I hadn't received something that I wanted to receive and like I shared this thing and you know that was quite I was quite scared to share this thing even though it was you know it wasn't that big of a deal and the response was really beautiful and I got this lovely response and then I just avoided like messaging <laughs> again and I just only clicked today and I replied yeah. to this person and, and I just said like, you know, I had a big vulnerability like hangover from, yeah. from 
leaning in to share my truth or to to bring this up and i'm like wow like i just i noticed it took me two weeks to reply to this person after i'd shared this thing and they'd received it so well and even then i still like hid away behind behind the screen until finally this point so something that's still a work in progress yeah um (laughs) i like to believe that we can resolve things without the need for conflict yeah you know, i don't think it i think it needs to be reframed into something different like it shouldn't have to there shouldn't have to be conflict you know you can you can meet in the middle and find compromise or you can meet in the middle and find you know level playing fields or you can just simply listen to and understand the other person's side of the story without having to to throw your spin on it or without having to try and interject to Mm. just purely listen but it is very or it can be i'll change that language it can be easy to get triggered by what other people say Mm. and and how they speak sometimes and to take that personally and then to take that so personally that we then react and we want to then somehow get control over this other the other person so that's a you know and that goes into another whole ball game of you know a control dynamic you know if one person says something that we don't agree with then we want to try and control the dynamic or tr- control the outcome and put our 10 cents or two cents in mm. and then overcome them and then that just creates this conflict the power this, play yeah this power play where you're yeah. both just trying to to get the final say or to to win rather than just agreeing to disagree on the thing and just to call it quits and and settle yeah so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i find yeah it's funny because you've got the naturally you don't it's not you but naturally you are more are more avoidant and then i'm more like anxiously like so wordy and like let's talk about this until we can't anymore and it's like we've had those opposite sides to conflict um or like I guess it isn't conflict in the time but like maybe something that we're dealing with and like I'm like yeah I asked for radical transparency and then you've given me radical transparency and it's triggered the shit out of me at times and it's been hard and then we've had to work through these situations and that's it is what it is and I think that we've done like an amazing job but it's interesting to see that like I guess we if you were to label it it was probably like the avoidant anxious attachment coming together and then we've had to like look at those patterns and see what we're doing and how that's playing out and I'm like you will listen for a long amount of time and try and understand and then I will just keep talking because it's like you've given me the space to do so and I do not need that much space sometimes and then I've over talked and I feel vulnerable and like yeah we've had to really come back to like I guess like the way you deal with conflict is so much nicer than way I originally would have and I think that I'm prone to being like oh this is it's like whenever something's really good like I'll you know my teenage girl will come out as well and then just like try and fuck it up so it's like your way of like the worst face you've held when you listen and you do come to the table has been yeah it's such very safe it's so safe to a point where like it's it's eased any time that we've actually gone into the conflict and I think that for me my biggest thing is just having to ask for like okay I'm gonna cry I just need to be held 
rather than like I'm going to like you know get angry about why I need to cry why I feel the reason when it's just an emotion it just needs to be felt and that's something that other people have consistently asked you which I'm finding so interesting is like what have been your biggest lessons the learning how to to deal when you do feel triggered what have been the biggest lessons in terms of dealing with feeling triggered yeah I think this is an interesting one because, again, this is something that I'm still working on and still actively in the process of trying to understand and wanting to really get on top of. I think pausing. I think really pausing in the moment when one gets triggered is the first step to understanding the trigger. It's a really sitting in it and choosing to feel it and if that is needing space or needing some form of uh, maybe I guess clarification around the concept because sometimes you know something will trigger us something will upset us or something will hit a nerve within us and maybe what was said or what was done was not the full picture or the full story so I think before you know before we react it's either sitting in it or it's asking for more clarification around what that thing entails or what that thing means or the reason for what just occurred to had to, you know what the reason was for that thing again still not 100% on this and I will continue to work on you know trying to up level myself in regards to being able to sit with triggers I think the biggest one is just, you know, the words let go. Just the concept of letting go, of being like I'm just something that I'm holding on to so dearly right now, something within me that my ego wants to to bark at or to, to react to that my soul knows I can easily just let go. And if I can let go, I can be free. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like I have to feel it, like to let it go. And that like those feelings are like can be quite toxic. And then it's just like I have to go through the emotion. And so I find that yours don't come up that heavily though. But yeah, I'm intrigued. And then the other question I have from Shanaid, beautiful Shanaid, is navigating your own traumas together that are coming up in a new relationship. <laughs> Hasn't that been a journey? Yeah, a journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to think, oh, hmm, I looked around the world around me and saw all these people in pain and, you know, disabled and all these other, you know, ways that people had been through traumas and would be like, oh, I don't have trauma. Like, oh, what's trauma? (laughs) And just, and thought, oh, I've never experienced that until I started learning more about it and was like, oh, wow, um, there are many traumatic events that have happened to me in my life. And although from the outside, you know, they don't look traumatic per se, physically or, you know, mentally, I'm not debilitated in any way from those. But I think underneath the surface, you know, there are those things that have just affected our lives in many ways. And one thing is like hypersensitivity that I have to sounds, mm. which came from falling off a bunk bed in the middle of the night and hitting my head 
the age of 10 or 11. And from that age, I was hypersensitive. I became hypersensitive to the sounds of people snoring and the sounds of breathing. And, and that came from, you know, hopping back in the bed, being in the state of panic and the state of fear and lying in the bed as a 10 or 11-year-old kid after having this big head knock on the ground and, and waking me up from my sleep. And then the sound of people snoring in the room, in the, the, the bunk bedroom, snoring, breathing, sounds outside r- would basically would take me back into that moment of being in that state of fear or panic. So working with that has been very interesting of, you know, how to deal with sounds and how to deal with those sort of those sorts of triggers. And yeah, it's something that we're both working on actively and something that we both want to, you know, to get to a point where we can just breeze through these things. But it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to just just easily breeze by. Like we have to speak our truth and we have to, you know, at times step into our power and 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 say no, that this isn't acceptable, that I don't take this and and vice versa. Sometimes we have to be told that what we're doing isn't isn't nice or isn't mm. supporting the other person. Yeah. And we have to be able to accept that and go, actually, yeah, okay. That wasn't that great. What I just did or what I just said. Yeah. In the heat of the moment, that wasn't the best or the most supportive way to to get to some sort of resolution. Mm. And yeah, we have to be willing to speak our truth and to, to share our wants and needs, but also have to be willing to to hear the other person out and hear what they want and what they need. Yeah. Yeah. I find that so interesting. I used to think that before I was dating you, I was like, before I get into a relationship, I'm going to deal with all my triggers, all my trauma. I'm going to show up to this relationship fully whole and have dealt with all those things. But then I realized very quickly that you can't like within the relationship is where the trauma comes up like with me I have had abandonment stuff come up all these things that could only really come up when I'm in this container like it couldn't have come up beforehand because you're in a safe container to express it yeah to go through it and to have someone that's with you intimately so much so so much of the time that they are mirroring it all back to you yeah and safety is like the number one component like safety it's feeling safe enough for those traumas to come up to be expressed and then for your partner to be able to hold that space which is a hundred percent what you do is so important but I think that it's unrealistic my only advice would be that it's like so unrealistic to think that you can heal fully relationship trauma before you're in that next relationship where (laughs) that is going to be that conscious one that can hold you and allow for that to come out and you've done that like so much with me and like the biggest blessing I think you've given me and that's something that I looked for and didn't really have as an example of and I've always wanted has been self-accountability and like you I think that I have such a like a nasty lift when I'm triggered like I can my teenage girl can be a mean girl and I do not love her at times (laughs) and she can yeah she's can get me into a lot of trouble and I think that having someone who can hold you accountable to better yourself while in those states it's like you're going each time you do have the traumas come up and the triggers come up when you are in that safe container like you can work through them better and better together and like you know the last time I got triggered within our container like I 
it wasn't like oh, that was so proud I'm willing to like you know video that and show the world but I think I got to a point where I was able to just collapse and cry and be like can you please hold me that's all I really need fast like really quickly whereas that's something that took me years to learn and that brings us right back to like the day I met you like my biggest trauma was not feeling like I can ever ask not trauma but I think that what could have helped me along the years of not becoming the mean girl and having these like outbursts that get me to a point where I then have the attention would have just been to be able to ask my dad or the masculine for a hug and that was what came up when I hurt my hand on the day that I met you like I just looked at him and was like I just need a hug and I'm like that's so much of it is just like as the feminine in in when you're triggered and traumatized feeling re-traumatized it's not present but the emotions are very present is just being held and being able to let that out and I think that that's something you do so well it's like you're just there no matter how long it takes you just sit there and you're like I'm present with you and I'm willing to go through this with you and yeah, I think that that's like as the, long as it's not at like ten thirty at night when yeah. we to go to bed. <laughs> when we're not allowed conversations anymore, that's the one thing we've learned. Emma's had to learn that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that I need to shut the fuck up when we're tired after nine thirty pm. <laughs> no we're talking. Yeah, save it for the next day. <laughs> yeah, I would. That's definitely the yeah. That's a big advice. bit of advice. <laughs> nothing nice comes out when you're tired and also you're just delusional nice stuff does come out yeah i mean if you're not if you're triggered i don't think that you're just like you're delusionally triggered and talking (laughs) you're tired you've had a big day it's like yeah it just doesn't serve anyone at that time of the night yeah and that's probably our biggest lesson i do think that like if i reflect on like the past week even like we've got into those stages a lot quicker like i can be like okay it's late okay even though I want to keep talking, okay, it's like, it's like, it's like, I know that I need to shut the fuck up. I know that we're done with this conversation now. So that would be the two biggest things that I definitely feel like I've learned. But again, it's safety and that comes from trust. And I think that when I summarize it and we come to like everything I've learned from you and the reason why I wanted to have you on is because I've learned so much trust with you and that's literally healed so many things around my heart chakra and so many things around my root chakra like you've as a woman I feel like there's and I repeat this so many times throughout the episodes like there's so many things that the society doesn't support like we're told that our periods are gross yet we have to have that monthly and a lot of people I feel become resistant to getting their period because they're so scared to wear white or leave the house and that just ends up making this causing this resistance and this fear around the root chakra which where is where fear is held and then so many other times like you know pooing and fighting for women that's a whole nother thing like we've just hold so much in that space that's like and that all of our farted. <laughs> you, i farted this morning and you told me walked out <laughs> of the room <laughs> as a joke you're my poo support person <laughs> needed to come back <laughs> and I think having a poo support person as a boyfriend can heal a lot around the root chakra but also I think it, the main thing is just trust like learning to trust has been such a journey and I felt safe from the instant I met you and you've just had such beautiful perspective on like everything that comes to holding space for the feminine and that's what you do at your events as well and that's why people have such deep healings and that's why I have as well I'm very 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 blessed to have one-on-one healings with you as well as being able to go to your events and that's 
how I got in contact with you following that time. I was like, oh, what do you do? Okay, cool. I'm just so keen to come. And I say this to you all the time. I'm like, no matter if we're dating or not, I would still be at your events and your number one fan because I think what you have to give and your biggest blessings to the world is like, you know, it's healing people. You've given me that many awakenings and I see everyone on a Sunday after you do the free event on a Televadra on a Sunday morning, early as like so dedicated, so devoted and they're just frothing. Like this is the best thing ever and you've just awoken their soul and it's just incredible the space you hold and I've been so lucky for that and I really truly believe that like, what came through earlier was like trust is the antidote to toxic masculinity and for me to have been gifted with that in meeting you and like learning from you and understanding your embodiment how you look at health and you value it to a point where you're like you know this may be something society may shame me for shaming the fact that I don't want to have takeaway food and I truly believe that like if you're overweight it's not healthy because it's that's pretty factual I'm not gonna have chemicals in my body and do these things to myself that don't have enables me to have my goal which is longevity like you've always stuck to what you value and it's only ever like since I met you like I've been able to have so many healing benefits from the inside out and yeah I think that it's so important that when we find someone who can be your divine masculine and hold that space that you honor that and I hope that today I was able to hold space to honor you and I hope that people can hear this and go and get your services and come to one of your Sunday mornings and hopefully get like a one-on-one with you because your gift to the world is something that's so important and I feel like I'm so lucky to have you in my life so thank you for sharing your story with me here today thank you yeah (laughs) thank you for having me on and thank you to anyone that listens to this (laughs) (laughs) it's gone all nervous and shy on me And we have and a shout out to my mum and dad for having me. <laughs> yeah, very big shout out to Tez, to Tez and Wayno, who are the biggest lords in the land, that's for sure, who gifted me with this beautiful human combination of their genes. Thank you very much. And yeah, we have something exciting coming, which will be really good. That's under going to be under the Sheila's brand, maybe a retreat or two, but we'll be letting you know and I'll be putting that in the announcements. But yeah, thank you for this season to everyone and thank you for you for supporting me to do this and holding space and when I have my little meltdowns of vulnerability hangovers after each episode you've been there for me so I absolutely love you and adore you and I froth you and yeah thank you to anyone who's followed along this this season and we'll be back with another few announcements and I'll be moving on to another podcast as well so gonna dive in deep and expand my horizons but (laughs) thanks babe (laughs) so thank you all to all my party people I really appreciate you all and farewell for now (laughs) if you made it this far congratulations You clearly learnt something, had a little giggle or somewhat enjoyed yourself. So do us a big juicy favour, share this episode on your Instagram, tag Sheila's and Shenanigans and pop on over to Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star rating and an extra delightful review. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, big love to all my party people.